0: You know, whenever I do the show, I always remind you that if you have questions, comments, complaints, recipes, whatever, you're always welcome to reach out to me directly by way of my email at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast, and you can leave a voicemail message if you like. Well, I got one such email today. It comes from a gentleman, a listener named Bob. Bob first says, congratulations on 100K and climbing. He's referring to my TikTok account. I did attain that level just the other day, 100,000 followers. That was a personal goal of mine. 100,000 followers, or as I like to refer to them as peers, peers of a like mind. I'm not looking for anybody to follow me. I just... I want to pull people together that all think normally and logically, because they seem to be rare these days. But at least, at least a hundred thousand folks out there that are following me on TikTok and all the folks here on the podcast, we do have some like minds and some peers of mine. So, Bob, thank you for that uh, mention. Next up, Bob's twenty-five dollar question. So, what about Merrick Garland? Does he have his finger up his blank? I'm not saying blank because I don't want to say ass. I'm saying blank because that's the way he wrote it. If he pisses Congress off, makes them look stupid and irrelevant, it will leave both houses looking super stupid. Government looking worse than it already does. He says not to gloat too much, but I live in Toronto, Canada. Thank God. (laughs) I get it, man. Toronto's a great city, too. If you've never been there, you should go. It's been a long time since I've been there, but it's a very nice city and a lot of great people there. Um, He writes some other (laughs) negative stuff about Congress and and the government and, and the president and such. He wraps it up by saying, I'm a political junkie and really enjoy the site. Is there another site where you have more verbal expressions? Please let me know. Well, I'll tell you this, Bob, and he says regards Bob from Toronto. Here's the deal, Bob, as far as any other sites. I have the podcast here, which you know about, because clearly you were listening to it. If you want to hear more or just a more variation, it's really not even more variations. It's just shorter versions of what I do here. You can check out TikTok. You can look up Rational Boomer on TikTok um, and uh you can get some more input from me there, but but here's the deal. I'm doing like five or six three-minute TikToks every day, and I'm doing a 40-minute 40 podcast, 45, 50-minute podcast every day. <laughs> I don't know if anybody needs to hear more out of me. I'm certainly flapping my lips quite enough for a lot of folks. And I don't know if I have the time or the ability to create even more content than that to put it someplace else. I used to put it on Instagram. I may start again, but I do have a Rational Boomer Instagram, but it's basically the same stuff that's on TikTok. So there you go. Those are the options. Now, Bob talks about Merrick Garland, and this is an interesting situation. We were all excited about Merrick Garland to become attorney general, especially after going through Bill Barr, that criminal fuck. But Merrick Garland is a respected guy with both the Democrats and the Republicans. He seemed fairly straight-laced, to the point, down to earth, and he seemed like a good guy to have in the job as attorney general. And I still think he is, but uh, there is some complaints going about. Now, I think a lot of people— in this country, I believe that Merrick Garland should be more aggressive about going after Donald Trump, the administration, the people who worked for him, you know, the insurrectionists, and all those sorts of people. And I agree, there needs to be a stronger attack by our Department of Justice and Merrick Garland based on all the things that are happening. Now, we wonder and we complain. About Merrick Garland being too weak. And that may be true. In fact, that's my personal opinion right now. But why is he doing that? And what's going to happen ultimately? How is he going to be pressured to do something more? Well, he's already getting pressure from the public. The court of public opinion is really pounding on Merrick Garland at this point. He doesn't look real good to even the Democrats. So, He's got that problem going for him. But you have to understand with Merrick Garland, and I've done some reading about him. I know a little bit about him. He's pretty much a straight arrow guy, a Boy Scout, follows the law to the T, sort of. Now, here's the problem. Here's, here's where it uh, The problem arises with Merrick Garland in his current situation. We know that Congress referred Steve Bannon to the DOJ for criminal contempt. That was 19 days ago. And we have yet to see anything, a grand jury or anything, to decide whether or not to prosecute him. And this is getting people pissed off as well as it should. What you have to understand with Merrick Garland, because he's such a Boy Scout, you know, in this world in Washington, D.C., I don't know if it's, if it's uh, professional courtesy or what it is, but there are certain norms that they all follow. There, Merrick Garland, for example, would be concerned in a normal condition or normal situation to go after a previous administration because it then would make the Department of Justice look political. And the Department of Justice is not supposed to be political. This is why Joe Biden doesn't go into Merrick Garland's office, grab him by the ear and say, do this, do that, do this. That's something Donald Trump did, and that's highly unethical. This is a separate branch of the government. Merrick Garland gets the job as the attorney general, and he's supposed to run it to the best of his ability. Now, that said, Joe Biden can fire him. And that could maybe ultimately happen. But Merrick Garland is running the DOJ now like he would normally run the DOJ. But here's the problem. He's sticking to norms that have normally been in the DOJ and in in government in general. But for four and a half years, we've had people stomping all over norms, and especially Donald Trump. He's doing things... And this is always the thing that's frustrated me. Donald Trump did all these criminal things, these unethical things as president. And we were led to believe that there was some kind of pressure or punishment that would come from these crimes if they were committed. Well, now for years and years and years, as bad as uh, presidents as we've had in the past, they all kind of stuck to those norms. They would only go so far, and if they did, they try to hide it. But Donald Trump is right in your face. He's blatant about everything. So what we found out, these norms, as they call them, um, don't mean shit because they keep telling us that no one's above the law. But clearly, for four years, Donald Trump and everybody around him was above the law. So here's what I contend. I understand how Merrick Garland <clears throat> wants to follow the norms and doesn't want to ruffle the uh, the waters or or make it appear that the DOJ's political. But the fact of the matter is for four years no one followed those norms. So now it comes down to Merrick Garland with Steve Bannon and some of these other people that may be deciding they won't testify. And My contention is, if we've been through four years of nobody paying attention to these norms, then Merrick Garland has to consider that when he's deciding whether or not to prosecute somebody. Yeah, he may not in normal situations, but this is not a fucking normal situation. Merrick Garland has clearly said no one is above the law, so I say, fucking prove it. We know there's criminal activity. We know there were laws broken. Now you need to do something. But like I said, Steve Bannon was referred to the DOJ 19 days ago, and nothing's happened. Nobody said a fucking word. And it's, you know, the thing about it is, it's not even about being political. The reason he was referred to the DOJ is because he didn't show up to a subpoena. It's not like we're even talking about the insurrection or anything that happened in the Trump administration. The the situation is very simple. Congress sent a subpoena to to, uh, this fucking clown, Steve Bannon, and said, you must appear. By law, you must appear and provide documents to Congress. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that because I think I have... Uh, executive privilege, because Donald Trump was the president, even though he's not the president anymore and can't assert executive privilege. So we somehow need to address that situation with him and anybody else that gets referred to the DOJ, because to be perfectly honest with you, uh, Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, also is refusing to appear. So I would assume he's going to get sent over to the DOJ. Now, where Merrick Garland is going to start getting some pressure is when they start sending more people over to the DOJ. It's real easy to sit and just ignore one guy. But when two two guys, three guys, four guys, five guys, six guys get referred to Merrick Garland in the DOJ, now the heat is going to be on. He already looks like he's doing nothing. He's got to play this a lot differently than he would normally do in a normal situation because we are not in a normal situation at all. There is nothing that's normal about this. He needs to react and he needs to do something or the heat's going to come on to Joe Biden and Merrick Garland. We can't do what we've done the last four years, risk democracy, and attempt to overthrow our government and do nothing about it because, you know, the norms, and uh, you just don't do that because you don't want to look political. Well, here's the fucking deal. If you don't, if you don't hold anybody accountable, then somebody's going to do it again. And maybe they'll learn a lesson from this time around and succeed next time. So Merrick Garland, you can worry about norms and making things look too political. But this isn't about norms. This is about saving the country, protecting the country, protecting the Constitution, the very oath you took when you took office as Attorney General. So now the pressure is going to get very hot on Merrick Garland and Joe Biden, and Joe Biden can't officially really say, you got to do this, you better do this, but Merrick Garland's going to know that Joe Biden's getting heat, and he's not going to like it, so his only option is to fire the guy, put somebody else in there, which Joe Biden doesn't want to do, but you can't keep the general public without seeing any kind of accountability for this. So the answer—the short answer to the question, uh, Bob, is this. Mayor Garland is fucking up here. There is no question. Steve Bannon should have been sent to a grand jury and in the process of prosecution by now, maybe put in jail while he is awaiting trial. The other people that are sent to them, he should do the same thing. If you're going to continue to play these games and try to ignore it and do whatever they're going to do, well, you're going to get some heat about it. And you will probably lose your job because what Mayor Garland's doing is going to affect the Democrats. And 2022 is coming up. And if the Democrats look weak and they generally do anyway, if they look weak, that's going to be a problem in 2022. So I suspect we're going to see some action here sometime soon. Once Merrick Garland has a number of people on his desk that he needs to look into to prosecute, he's going to have a problem. And, you know, the thing about it is Steve Bannon is the perfect guy to put up uh, and put on trial. He was out of the White House by 2017, three years before the 2021 January 6th insurrection. He didn't have any connection to Donald Trump, officially speaking, for three years. So there should be no issue. It's not about politics at this point. It's just about attempting to overthrow this country. Steve Bannon was little more than a citizen. He should be addressed. So what's probably going to happen, he's going to have a tougher time of prosecuting somebody like Mark Meadows, who was the chief of staff. He's going to be pushed to get Joe, excuse me, Steve Bannon into a grand jury and on trial. And we'll see that because he really doesn't have a choice. He's going to get too much pressure. Joe Biden's going to get too much pressure. It should not be this slow. Time is short for the Democrats at this point. We have 12 months till 2022. They have a lot they need to accomplish. They need to accomplish it quickly, and they need to change everything everything about their party. They need to come off stronger. I mean, learn a lesson for Christ's sake. The only thing Donald Trump had going for him in uh, both elections was the perception that he was a strong guy, a tough guy. Well, we know Donald Trump wasn't any one of those things, but that was the perception. So Joe needs to kick it up a notch. Merrick Garland needs to kick it up a notch. There needs to be stronger responses to these things if they have any hopes for 2022. Plus, they need to accomplish all the things they need to accomplish, and they got a lot. If Joe Biden accomplishes all the things he needs to accomplish between now and 2022, he may be the most prolific president in history. A lot of people have gotten a lot of things done. I think... The most successful was Lyndon Johnson after he took over for JFK. But if Joe Biden accomplishes all the things he needs to do, the reconciliation bill, the uh, voting rights bill, police reform, getting all these things done, maybe throwing out the filibuster, he's going to look very good. People are going to love this guy. But it needs to be done. There should be no more dicking around. You got to be assertive. You got to be tough. You got to go after these fucking people. And Merrick Garland needs to get on his bicycle and fucking start doing something. Not only for the sake of accountability, but for the sake of the Democratic Party and ultimately the sake of this country and our former government. What uh, uh, we're going to take a break here in a couple minutes, but I also want to mention something that just happened today. The U.S. reopened borders again to uh, international vaccinated travelers. Now, those borders have been shut down to international travelers. We're not talking about immigrants. We're not talking about illegal aliens. We're talking about people that visit this country, whether they be in business or whether they be family members or what have you. But those borders have been closed for 20 months. Can you imagine that? I mean, we're talking Canada, Mexico, any place. So people weren't able to come to this country because of COVID for 20 months, and now those borders are finally open to those people that are, in fact, vaccinated. There were people all over the country meeting up with family members and friends that they haven't seen in almost two years. It's a big step. It's quite a big step. And it's good to see that uh, we're finally being able to see some progress with covid As I'm looking at COVID cases now in America, it seems to have plateaued. It was going down and down and down, and now it's plateaued. We're not sure what that means necessarily. The thing about COVID, it heated up this summer, but we know how badly COVID can heat up during the winter. That's a bad period. That's where it all started. So everybody's hoping against hope that we don't get another surge with COVID, that we don't get another uh, variant of COVID-19 or the Delta variant. Because if that happens, we could be back in trouble, things shutting down, masks back on, and all this shit. And while all this is going on, of course, we still have a large percentage of people in this country, Trump Lafucks, if you will, that uh, continue to tell us that masks don't work, and that the vaccine is bad for you. 750,000 people died from COVID, and they still want to tell us it's no big deal. It's like the flu. Well, that's fucking ridiculous. And anybody that looks at the facts who can say that is either a liar or is just stupid. That's the only way to see it. I mean, we only learn things one way by getting evidence, looking at what happened. And then we've got to take that, critically think, and decide what we believe. When you have all this evidence that shows that 750,000 people died, that the vaccine works because people who have the vaccine don't die, just the people that do not have the vaccine, they're dying in large numbers. And even that doesn't convince them that it's real. So we got a lot to go with COVID still. It's still hard to tell what's going to happen during the winter months. I hope against hope that it's going to fade away and fade away and fade away or get down. Now, in hearing from doctors now, they're, not, they're suggesting that COVID will always be with us. It'll be like a yearly flu type thing. It'll be a much stronger issue than the flu, but it's something that will keep coming around. Now, that didn't have to be the case. Had everybody been vaccinated, we could wipe this off the, the the table in our country and not deal with COVID ever again. But people are fucking stupid, and people are idiots, and they refuse to get vaccinated. If you want proof that it works, when's the last some time you saw somebody with polio? Back in the 50s and 60s, everybody got their polio shots. I got it. And I didn't know a single person that got polio. I'm sure there were some, but very, very few. They were essentially able to wipe polio, a very serious disease, out of this country by way of those vaccinations. Now, they'd hoped to do the same thing. With COVID, but because we've got 40%, 30 or 40% of the country that refuses to get vaccinated, well, now we've got a problem that will probably be ongoing for a long, long time. You have to wonder, there's going to be other vaccinations that crop up and other diseases that we need to be vaccinated for. Are these people also going to deny that and not take that? We don't even know what there might be. We could be creating another pandemic with something totally different down the road because we've got so many idiots in this country. We'll see what happens with it. We can only hope things can get under control with COVID. It's getting better. It's not done yet, and we still have the winter to get through. So it's still a little scary, and we all should be a little wary, and we should take precautions. First and foremost, Get the vaccination. I got my booster the other day. I've had three shots. And if I needed three more, I'd get in line and fucking get them. Because I'd much rather do that than get sick. And common sense and logic and the things I see in terms of evidence tell me that's the right thing to do. Now, they can want to call me sheep. But these are the fuckers that are listening to people that are lying to them, flat out lying to them. We're not the sheep. You fucking clowns are the sheep. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, we've got three important stories that we want to get through, so let's get to it. You remember when Donald Trump called the Secretary of State, Hafensberger, of uh, Georgia? You remember he was asking, You got to find me 11,780 votes so we can overturn this Georgia election. That was clearly a criminal act. That was a crime when he did that. And he's so stupid that it's recorded. There's an audio recording of it. So there's absolute proof he did that. Now, I also talked to the attorney general, the governor, the U.S. attorney. Mark Meadows, apparently, the chief of staff for Donald Trump, made a visit to Georgia trying to coerce these people into flipping the election. Lindsey Graham even made a call to the Secretary of State, trying to push him him to overturn the election. Now, all of these are clearly criminal acts. Um, It's election fraud or conspiracy to commit election fraud. It's even covered in the RICO Act. So these are clear infractions, clear crimes committed by the Trump administration, specifically Donald Trump. Lindsey Graham who is a senator and of course Mark Meadows who is the chief of, was the chief of staff under Donald Trump. Now there might be other people there but we know that the Atlanta District Attorney Fawny Willis started an investigation back in February. A little less than a year ago. Well, yeah. Maybe 8 9 months ago. She started an investigation. Now, here's the thing. We haven't heard much about that at all. Nothing at all. Uh, So I'm sure a lot of people forgot about it or assumed nothing was going to happen. I mean, this is the most blatant crime that Donald Trump committed. And just to forget about it seems absolutely crazy. Well, it turns out Fonnie Willis didn't just forget about it. She's been working diligently, investigating, gathering evidence, and uh, putting a case together. Now, the thing about this is, this isn't a case against a bunch of underlings that worked for Donald Trump. The specific case. Criminals in this case are Donald Trump, Lindsey Graham, Mark Meadows, maybe a couple of others, but those are the three main people. These are people they have audio and video recordings of committing the crimes. Mark Meadows, I don't know if he's on audio tape or not, but he was clearly there, and that can be documented by his travel log. And, of course, uh, Hafensberger and the other people he talked to can attest to the fact of what he said. Now, there may be audio recordings of that. Uh, Actually, I think there might be of Lindsey Graham. Uh, But anyway, the point is, is there serious crimes going on there, election fraud or conspiracy, and the RICO Act? We hadn't heard anything about it since February. Well, the good news is now we're hearing that this investigation is ramping up fast and furiously. Apparently, Fonnie Willis is planning to put together a special grand jury to hear the evidence, see the documents, hear the audio tapes, and it's going to be about Donald Trump, Lindsey Graham, Mark Meadows, and whoever else. So, When they convene a grand jury, what that means ultimately is they create the grand jury, it's secret, they show all the evidence that they have, and then the grand jury decides whether to prosecute. And if they decide to prosecute, then the trial begins, the prosecution begins, and all these fucks are on the hook. So we now know that they're getting very close to putting together this special grand jury. And once that starts, it's impossible to stop it. And as far as whether they'll decide whether or not to prosecute, I just told you that these crimes are on audio tape. There is no question about it. Fonnie Willis is a pretty talented attorney, and who knows whatever else she's put together. So you have to assume that once it goes to the grand jury, there's a good likelihood that it will go to prosecution. And if it goes to prosecution, again, that means Donald Trump, Lindsey Graham, Mark Meadows, and whoever else. So for all the people, including myself, that have said, when is something going to happen to Donald Trump? It may come from the last place you thought of, because you probably forgot about it, but it will be the state of Georgia. Georgia assuming how quickly they put together this grand jury and how long it takes to decide whether to prosecute or not. But Donald Trump's not getting away with anything in Georgia. He's going to be taken to task and he might very well be put on trial. And that's something that could be coming pretty soon. So we'll see how that shakes out. But it's good to know that Fonnie Willis is still on the job and she's Working up to something big here pretty quick. Now, do you remember last summer when hackers attacked several government agencies and private companies and that sort of thing? You remember when that gas pipeline out on the east end of the, the, the country was shut down? These, these organizations and these companies were infiltrated with ransomware. And this gas line was shut down, and it was causing all kinds of havoc. There were gas shortages, like in South Carolina and down in those areas. So what happened was the gas company ended up paying the ransom. They felt like they had to because they couldn't continue with this gas line shut down. Well, when this all happened, of course, the DOJ was investigating it, trying to track down who are the guilty parties in this particularly hacking scheme. Well, today they announced that they arrested two hackers that were responsible for this big deal last uh, summer. And they also recovered $6 million of the ransom money. Now, keep in mind... It sounds like these guys collected as much as $200 million in ransom. So they didn't get a lot of the money back, and that's not surprising. I'm surprised they got any money back. But they did arrest two hackers. Here's the interesting thing, though. These hackers are from the Ukraine. Now, we've heard a lot of conspiracy theories, and I'm just supposing here. I think it's interesting that these hackers came from Ukraine. I mean, there's a Russia tie between Ukraine and Russia, but there's even a bigger tie because you remember Donald Trump was on the phone with the president of the Ukraine. All kinds of people were calling, trying to get these people to find dirt on Joe Biden before the election. They were coercing them. They were threatening them. They were holding back money that was promised to them by the U.S. government. It was a fucking mess. Donald Trump got impeached over it. Now, the Senate didn't do their job and remove him from office. Had they done that, we could have saved a lot of trouble that we're dealing with now. But here's what I'm supposing. If these hackers are from the Ukraine, and we know Donald Trump has a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of, uh, well, he's putting a lot of pressure on everybody from the president of the Ukraine all the way down. And you look at what was going on here. It wasn't terroristic in the sense like they were trying to destroy something. It was all about money, trying to get money. And they did get money. They got $200 million in ransom by doing this. So again, you might call this a conspiracy theory. I don't know that it's true. I have no proof that it's true. It just seems strange to me. With Donald Trump's connection to the Ukraine, these guys from Ukraine hack into companies and government agencies, and all they want is money. That sounds something tailor-made for Donald Trump. He's got all the inside tracks. He can give all the information, and he likes to make money. They recovered $6 million of the ransom money. Well, Where's, where's the remaining $194 million? Is it too far-fetched to imagine that somehow Donald Trump said, I'm going to win or I'm going to get this and I'm getting impeached, so fuck these people, and uh, cut a deal with these guys, gave out information to them, or gave them entree to something that helped them to hack into all these organizations and companies? And then, you know, cut a deal to split the money or something like that. Now, if I was talking about any other president, you'd say, that's fucking crazy. But because I'm talking about Donald Trump, you're probably saying to yourself, yeah, we ought to look at that. That certainly sounds like something Donald Trump can do. Now, I don't know if they'll ever track that down, but it sure seems kind of fishy to me. And it'll be interesting to see if anything like that comes out. These two guys are going to jail. They got $6 million back, but there's probably somebody else out there from some other countries also trying to hack our systems and try to leverage money out of us or just damage the country. It would be horrific to find out that somehow Donald Trump had something to do with that. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, why would you even suggest that Donald Trump would do something like that? Well, remember when he took office in 2016, he had Russian spies in the fucking Oval Office and he let go some top secret information. Whoops. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I'm the new guy, but that's exactly what he did. He let go some top secret information to Russian spies. And then you think about the fact that he met with Vladimir Putin on a few occasions. But the funny thing is, nobody was allowed in the meeting. There was no documentation of what was talked about. It was all very private. Here's Donald Trump representing all of us uh, in a meeting with the leader of an adversarial country. But we can't hear what he was talking about. So the idea that Donald Trump might try to grift his way To making more money, whether it hurt the country or not, not surprising. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Once they uh, prosecute these people and get going on the whole, uh, whole trial thing, it'll be interesting to see if somehow Donald Trump is tied to this whole situation, whether it will come out, and if it does come out, will they follow up on it? But to me... As a citizen, taxpayer, with no particular talents in investigation, the situation just looks strange to me. It looks funny. It's ironic that these two hackers came from the Ukraine. All right, well, the House Select Committee has been promising more subpoenas. We heard that there might be as many as 20 subpoenas. Well, they issued six subpoenas today. And uh, the list of people on this uh, subpoena list is quite interesting. Now, the uh, first one is Jason Miller. Jason Miller is kind of this chubby guy who uh, had the goatee. He's kind of a loudmouth piece of shit. He was always on TV all the time, and he was some advisor to Donald Trump. Well, he's been subpoenaed. Now, William Stepien. He was the campaign manager for Donald Trump in 2020. Now, I've heard people talk about Stepien, because Stepian's more of a straight shooter. He's not so much caught up in all this Trump bullshit or this Trumplickin' bullshit. So he might be somebody who will be able to provide some serious information. I know when Donald Trump lost, Stepian wanted to convince him that said, hey, you lost, let's move on. And, of course, Donald Trump didn't like that, but it's nice to hear that somebody in the campaign had some common sense and knew there was no other way around it. He lost, and he was sticking to his guns on that. So he's another guy on the subpoena list. Then there's John Eastman. You probably heard this guy's name. John Eastman is a lawyer. And he was one of the guys that always showed up in the Willard Hotel in these war rooms, if you will. And he's the guy that wrote the documents that laid out the strategy to overturn the country's uh, democracy and the country's form of government by giving the election back to Donald Trump. Well, he had all kinds of strategies. But he's the guy that came up with the idea that somehow Mike Pence could refused to certify the election. And, of course, he couldn't. There was no way he could do that. Mike Pence tried to figure out ways to do it, but he couldn't, so he did the right thing. He's not a hero, though, because if he could have found a way to try to accomplish it, he would have done it. So Mike Pence is a piece of shit, too. So this guy has been subpoenaed. Now, the interesting thing about this guy is that he wrote these documents and then when somebody from the government came to him and said, What's the deal with this? He goes, Oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. I it's laughable, that's not real, nobody would believe that. And then the next day somebody with a recorder acting like a Republican flunky started talking to him and he was touting what he wrote as absolute law, a brilliant idea. And this pe- this person was fake complimenting him about the strength of what he had in these letters. And he was saying, yeah, absolutely. I don't know why. So this guy clearly has a problem with telling the truth. And he is subpoenaed by the House Select Committee. And he's going to be an interesting guy to talk to if he shows up. Next up is uh, essentially a staffer named uh, Angela McCallum. She is the national executive uh, assistant to Trump's 2020 campaign. Now, what this woman did was kind of interesting. She drafted letters or notes or what have you, and she was sending it out to uh, people in, in the various states, mostly the swing states where Donald Trump lost. And she was kind of imploring people to replace the electors with electors that would vote for Donald Trump, even though he lost the race. So this woman has a few problems on her hands, and she's under subpoena. Then there's Bernard Carrick. Now, he participated in the meetings at the Willard Hotel as well. But hes I think he's also the uh, former uh, New York police chief or commissioner who got fired and has all kinds of legal problems course he's a hot prospect for donald trump but he was in the willard meetings and that will be interesting to see what he has to say because what happened in those meetings is actually very crucial and where all of this insurrection and overturning the government started that's where all the planning was and there's going to be a lot of information if we can get it that will be helpful Now, the last guy on this is the one that's most interesting to me, and that is Michael Flynn. Now, imagine this. Michael Flynn is the former national security advisor for the United States under Donald Trump. He's the one that's trying to protect national security. He's also the one that went to jail because he was uh, working with the Russians illegally. He got he, he, he got convicted, and, of course, Donald Trump um, pardoned him in spite of the fact what he was doing was pretty much traitorous or treason. And uh, he ended up being the national security advisor. He got in trouble because of that Russia thing. They forced him to quit. He did. Uh, but he still held pretty tight to Donald Trump. I mean, during this whole insurrection thing and this overturning the government, he was in the thick of it. He was part of the planning. And if you remember, his brother was in charge at the Pentagon, and they were working in cahoots to make this all happen. Can you imagine that? Somebody in the Pentagon agreeing to and being part of an insurrection in this country. That's fucking outrageous. Now, Michael Flynn did a lot of talking, and I think there's going to be a lot of questions about some of the things he said. He said Donald Trump could very easily just seize every election machine in the country. He could send out the military to handle that situation. He could turn this country in a police state, cancel the election, and take over and continue to be president. This is somebody who was the national security advisor of this country. And this is what he was suggesting to Donald Trump and to the general public, the trump who would believe that shit. This dude may have got a pardon for the first time around. He ain't getting a pardon for this one. This guy's going to go down, and he's being subpoenaed. Now, again, the big question is, are these people going to show up? Well, some of them probably will. People like Flynn. Maybe um, John Eastman won't show up. Maybe even Jason Miller. But this is where it's helpful. If they do not show up and they refer them to the DOJ, this is where the pressure is going to come on Merrick Garland. You can't have five or six people referred to the DOJ and you do nothing about it, especially when there's absolute evidence that they broke the law. You can cry and whine about the prospect of being too political and the DOJ shouldn't do that, but you can't have these people piling up on your desk and do nothing and expect to keep your job. I think that's what Congress is doing right now. They're putting more and more pressure on Merrick Garland because they can't say do this or do that, but they can put pressure on them, and that's exactly what they're doing by sending more people over to the DOJ, assuming they don't show up. Now, they've already interviewed 150 people, so they've got a lot of info. And you're probably saying, well, where's the other subpoenas? Why not Trump? Why not Giuliani? Here's the way it goes. They get the people on the lower level to get as much information as they can, and they work their way up the ladder. They want all that information, and then they'll subpoena Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, or people like that. So to think that Rudy Giuliani or or Trump even or or, uh, Trump Jr. or Eric or Ivanka are being ignored? No, they're just the top of the heap, and they're working up to that. Those people will likely get subpoenas, and they will either show up or not show up. And again, if they don't show up, that'll put more pressure on Merrick Garland, and eventually he'll have to break. Otherwise, he'll probably end up fired because there'll be too much heat from public opinion alright let's wrap it up once again for the Rational Boomer podcast, I want to thank Bob again for sending an email if you'd like to do same you can send an email directly to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com go to anchor.fm find the Rational Boomer podcast and you can leave a voicemail so I hope you have a great day we'll be back again tomorrow to talk about more stuff you have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.